G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Leave the Philippians passage on your lap open in front of you, uh, if you could, or leave it dialed up on your app, whatever it is, um, uh, because I'd like us to particularly reflect on that. But just uh, before I even pray, could we just reflect on the first two words of that reading, if we could. Had we read these words just 12 short months ago, I suspect that have carried a very different sense for us. Do you think that's fair to say? Paul's words to the Philippian church, so the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church, the church in Philippi, uh, which uh, we're just focusing on these verses today, whatever happens, chapter 1, verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, whatever happens. And it's not as if the gospel's changed in the last 12 months, and it's not as if, uh, you know, that sort of totality of living a life worthy of Jesus in, in how we conduct ourselves, it's not as if that's fundamentally shifted. I'm not trying to make that argument for a moment, um, but I do think 2020 uh, saw us needing to adjust the scale of what we thought fit within those words, whatever happens. Uh, let me briefly read to you a snippet Uh, that came from a very different era, grappling with a different thing that shifted the scales for them. These words come from John Piper, they come from a time uh, dominated by a different sense of what was possible or credible or likely uh, in your life that you might have to face, the whatever happens of just a few short years ago, really. Uh, John Piper writes, I think it is very important for every one of you to think hard about what you would do if cultic terrorists hijacked your plane and before they blew it up, offered to let everyone off who would say, Jesus Christ is not my Saviour and Lord. The reason I think it's important to think about this is that the resurgence of fundamentalist anti-Christian violence in the world makes it very possible that it will happen. And the quote goes on, but reading that made me think, I haven't really thought about terrorism this year at all. Uh, well, apart from a couple of months back when there were those attacks in France. Yeah, okay, that brought it back to mind. But by and large, uh, it, it just has not been on my radar. I wonder if you're the same, really. Uh, Piper goes on, but more important is the fact that thinking about your own death for Christ will help you live for Christ as you should. A true Christian must be willing to say, I will not renounce Christ even if it costs my life. But as soon as we say that, says Piper, It makes a whole lot of things in our lives look ridiculous. I'll die for you, but I can't find time to sit and read your teaching each day. I'll die for you, but prayer doesn't seem real. I'll die for you, but I can't talk to Jim about you at work. I'll die for you, but I can't support your cause with more than 10% of my income. One of the best ways to bring wonderful Christ-honouring changes into your life is to measure your way of life by your willingness to die for Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it, how world events um, shape our sense of what's possible. Uh, Clearly, September 11, 2001 is what looms large in Piper's mind there. But brothers and sisters, how has 2020 reshaped our working definition of whatever happens? Because it's not planes and bombs and automatic weapons and mosques and so forth this year, is it? What is it this year? It's... What happens if Nan, or Orma, what happens if Nan gets COVID 
and the contact tracing reveals that she got it from me. Whatever happens is visiting her in ICU, rigged up to a ventilator, or more to the point, not being allowed to visit her in ICU. It's kind of where our mind goes now. That's the, the, the scope of what's plausible for us now, isn't it? Whatever happens is those empty supermarket shelves that happen every time a city seems to go into lockdown and dealing with the frustration and the, the disappointment in the human condition that, that we're confronted by when we, when we deal with that and the, the hassle. Whatever happens is that ambiguous space that I think we're all entering as we try to figure out how to plan for 2021. Are our churches ready to sort of stretch at the moment, take on something big again in the new year as we ordinarily would at the start, of, even just a little bit? Uh, do I commit to uh, more and more now or do I still need to wind back a little bit further because anything can happen? Let's pray as we come to this text about whatever happens in our lives. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, your word reminds us that you are God, whatever happens. Uh, the hearts of your people have faltered and even failed a thousand times down the ages, and you've still been there. Uh, the hearts of your people have wandered away a thousand times down the ages, and you've still been there. And Father, you have been there with a good word for a world where all sorts of stuff happens, good and bad. Uh, and we don't want to um, discount the good, the delightful, the wondrous, but also the bad, the depressing and the wicked that happen in this world. And Father, as we reflect on a year past, and perhaps especially as we, as we look ahead to a year of who knows what, well, you know what, may we find you to be our God in Christ, whatever happens. And so guide us now as we dwell in your word a little together, please. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philippians chapter 1, that's the passages I said from verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And friends, that's really the, the simple thought that I want us to, to meditate on just a little bit further together this morning, both in view of its context for um, Paul and his letter to the Philippians and what was going on in their world and their lives at that time, and then bringing that to us in view of our context, our uncertain future, as the year begins to unfurl ahead of us and we start venturing into it um, in the coming days. Um, may I just begin with this? Paul wasn't kidding when he chose that phrase, whatever happens. That's where we're going to begin. That's my first point. If, you're a, if a bit of structure helps you to, to hold in your mind what I'm, what I'm saying and where I'm going, that's my first point, whatever happens. Um, because when we hear phrases like that and someone starts pressing them into our lives, whatever happens, I want you to do this or do that, um, uh, there's a sense, I, I think it's easy for us to snap back, to push back a little bit, perhaps with um, a, a a, an equally cliche response and you can take your pick as to which one uh, you might choose so someone says whatever happens I want you to do this and we tend to sort of be defensive and snap back well that's easy for you to say or uh, we might come out with nice for some uh, sitting there in your uh, you know bible writing tower Paul uh, or more aggressively what would you know Paul about whatever happens given what I've got to face in my life who are you to tell me what to do or how to live? So, brothers and sisters, let's begin there. Uh, may I say, I think Paul knows two important things 
about life. Two, which helped me to hear his words, whatever happens, uh, with the gravity, with the seriousness, with a certain sensitivity and quiet uh, that they, I think, deserve. So firstly, could we read back up the page a little bit together there in Philippians? Um, Let's read from, say, verse 7. And just notice uh, both that Paul, he understands how bad whatever happens could be for these Philippians. Uh, But also notice just how much he cares about these Philippians. You see, they have his heart. He's projecting forward into whatever might happen in their life, but he cares about them. He has affection for them. They aren't just a business proposition for this uh, missionary apostle, a venture that might turn south, but it doesn't matter. He's got other churches on the go all around the Mediterranean. So who really... No, they are people whose lives, well, might end up in the very same situation that his is in right now. Verse 7 of Philippians chapter 1, where Paul writes, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Just come down to verse 12, where Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Whatever happens, he writes. But he writes as a man with literal chains on his body to a a church, to a people who have his heart. He cares about them. I want to tell you something from my experience with my heart engaged for your good, whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I said there were two things uh, that Paul knows, and I think it's fair to say that the second thing is really our second point. So let's move to there, worthy of the gospel of Christ. What I mean is this, um, I think Paul has looked at the gospel story of Jesus and he has said to himself, what I see there is a God to whom whatever did happen. I think that's what he's driving at with verses 29 and 30. Let's take a look there. This whole idea of of living worthy, you see, of the gospel of Christ. Paul doesn't mean, look, here's the kind of life that uh, whatever happens, it'll be worthy of God, so it'll win you a spot with him, it'll convince God to let you in or save you or whatever. That's not Paul's shtick at all. Um, No, a life worthy of the gospel, he's saying it's a life that, that matches up, that makes sense, it fits with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It aligns uh, with his life on earth, where whatever happened, sure happened to him. Philippians 1 verse 29, let's have a look together. Where Paul writes, uh, For it has been granted to you, Philippians, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And it's not really until chapter 2, I mean, many of you know Philippians very well. In fact, I suspect 
for many of us, our favourite passage in perhaps the whole Bible, is this true for some of us? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and following, you know, your attitude uh, to one another should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be... Some of our favourite verses, it's not really until there that he unpacks the suffering of Christ in detail, uh, that he starts to pull it apart. Um, uh, 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 And yet, I still think that he's got in mind... Um, that pattern of life here. But I I do think it's a weird phrase, verses 29 and 30, um, uh, granted to you on behalf of Christ to suffer for him, just like Paul and his mates on behalf of Christ have suffered, we are still suffering. What's he saying there? Why do I think it's weird? I think it's weird because on the one hand, yes, sure, he's saying, if you stand for Jesus and suffer the consequences then yes, you're suffering on behalf of Christ. If you suffer in your life precisely at the point of being a Christian, precisely because you're a Christian, then there's a sense in which you're suffering on behalf of Christ. But I think there's another layer to it in this paragraph because he's just said that all of this conduct, this way of life that will attract suffering, that's what is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Not just because of Christ, but worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, I think Jesus put it in these words before he went to the cross when he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, right, before he went to the cross, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, Luke chapter 9. Now, why does this matter? It matters because when whatever happens in your life and things get really hard, what I think we need is not for us to be the hero, for someone to be able to say, you've done it better than anyone could. What I think we need is not for Paul to be the hero or the Philippians to be the hero. Can't you live up to them? Friends, as we face whatever happens, don't we need to keep Christ in mind and his gospel in mind when we suffer whatever happens knowing that whatever has already happened to Christ, my hero, my assurance, not only that, my comfort, my deliverer, my guide, my strength when I feel weak. So it's a subtle point, but I think Paul intended the Philippians to hold together the thought that yes, they suffer on Christ's behalf, but that suffering is worthy of the gospel of Christ in that it fits with the gospel of Christ. You're doing it right. You haven't made a terrible mistake. You're not abandoned by God when you endure whatever happens. You're not doing the Christian life wrong if you suffer. God hasn't left you. No, he hasn't left us. He suffered for us. He went ahead of us. And he even grants that we suffer on his behalf. Christian, I don't know what will be ahead for us in the year 2021. But will we cling to that, whatever happens? Thirdly and lastly, conduct yourselves. Conduct yourselves. So we've seen the circumstance. The circumstance is whatever happens. And we've, we've felt our way around sort of the framework or the architecture of Paul's thinking, worthy of the gospel itself, the, the structure and shape of Christ's own life and suffering. Paul now describes some very specific content 
of how they are to conduct themselves. Uh, He does it from partway through verse 27, but let's pick it up from the start of verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and, and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, and on it goes. May I share with you the, uh, the little bit in those verses that does unsettle me a little bit and cause me to think about our own church life, my own life, how we go about life and ministry and enduring in Christ. It's the scale of the thing, actually. Um, I I don't think there's anything... You look at the instructions that Paul's given there, um, these the particular things of how they should conduct themselves, and I don't think there's anything particularly remarkable in there, is there? Uh, Anything particularly unexpected as to how Christians under fire ought to conduct themselves? If you were writing to a church... Uh, who was going through some hard times, facing some opposition, wouldn't, wouldn't you say the same things as Paul? Wouldn't you urge them to the same kind of stuff? When Christians... Um, and, and, and we do that uh, because we can imagine the devastating effects if they stuff it up, if they get it wrong. And we've seen it before, perhaps, in church life. When Christians, under pressure, what do they tend to do? we tend to do, we, we start turning against one another, we start tearing strips off one another, we, we cower in fear, we get distracted from the, the, the main goal, all of these things, we, we, uh, when we, we bullied or whatever, we get shaky even on the gospel itself sometimes, that's when we're at our worst. No, no, what would we write? We'd write, stand firm. We'd write, strive together, brothers and sisters, for the faith of the gospel as in both your own faith, but also the faith of the gospel in terms of evangelism, reaching out. Keep your eyes on the, on the mission of Jesus to the world. What, what have you got to fear? We'd say the same things, I think. No, friends, uh, but when I think about the year ahead, my own life, our own church life, it's the scale that gets me, because there's a hint for, it, for us there in verse 20, uh, 29. Is our striving for the gospel, is our eagerness to, to, to serve side by side, our fearless pursuit of genuine faith in ourselves and in the world around us, is it of the kind of scale that it would prove a sign to a watching world? Have a look there, uh, we'll pick it up from verse 28, striving together as, as one for the faith of the gospel, verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved and that by God. Do you see the scale that their conduct is supposed to reach by the power of God at work in them? This is a sign to the watching world that they will be destroyed, your opponents, but that you will be saved in that by God. It's extraordinary, isn't it? The conduct that this church is to carry on with and the effect that it's to have, which might sound really macabre and kind of hopeless or even combative or morbid or something, 
But I can only imagine, actually, you think about the book of Acts, I can only imagine that Paul knows exactly what he's talking about because it seems to me that this is exactly what happens to him in every city that he visits, isn't it? Through the book of Acts, you think about how he conducts himself and the kind of things that get stirred up in every city around the Mediterranean that he visits as he carries the gospel with him. There are some who hear the gospel, who see it lived with conviction uh, amongst the, the new converts there as the gospel rang out and they, they, uh, it then rings out from them with, with clarity, with a concern for the world to hear of Jesus and be saved by him. There are some who see it as a sign that I'm done for. I am done for in view of the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus unless I put my faith in him. And so we see that, don't we? Across the book of Acts, repent. What, what shall we do? Repent and be baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. When a church pursues the mission of Jesus with heart and with unity, striving together and facing suffering as an advertisement for... It's an advertisement for Christ himself as we do that fearlessly. It's a sign. And tragically, it's a sign that others should see but don't. I mean, why do you think Paul was in chains at this point? So friends, what will it be for us in 2021? As we think on this verse, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What will it be? I think Piper was right, wasn't he? A true Christian must be willing to say, I will not renounce Christ, even if it costs my life. But as soon as we say that, makes a whole lot of things in our lives look ridiculous. I think Piper was right. What'll it be for 2021, for the year ahead? My hope and prayer and, and my, my own con- commitment and my own challenge to myself and to you, in a sense, my own conundrum for us together is figuring out what it means to live in the grip of this gospel, striving together for the faith of the gospel, not only among us, but as a sign to those beyond us, for their salvation, we hope and pray. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Our great God in heaven, what a relief it is to us that our salvation doesn't depend on our worthiness to live like Jesus and to suffer for him and for his gospel Uh, Father, we'd be sunk if that were the case. Christ has lived the life worthy of heaven, worthy of your righteousness, and we now follow after him by your mercy and by your grace and as forgiven sinners. But Father, there are too many we recognise, we confess in our city, in our lives, in our extended families, in our workplaces, too many who should have heard and seen the gospel from us over the years, in us over the years, but who have not. Um, they may have seen, they've seen a glimpse, perhaps, but not a clear and full view of our Lord and Saviour. And Father, we ask, would you correct that scale, the scale of Christ's influence in our lives this year, please? Father, you alone know what lies ahead of us, uh, and we do trust Oh God, that 2021 holds many wonderful and happy and uh, surprising and delighting things in store for us. You are not only good, but you are lavishly generous. We've seen it a thousand times before. 
Oh God, may we grow this year in those precious disciplines of gratitude and thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father who gives good gifts to us. But Father, may we also grow in the steady and unswerving, unwavering conduct that befits the gospel, please. By your Spirit, may we indeed strive together with Christ's help. Uh, May we face suffering uh, without fear. May we emerge not only the stronger from that, whatever it is, but the more assured and comforted in Christ, even in the midst of it. God, would you be our strength and our song this year ahead, please, whatever happens. In Jesus' name, amen.